Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Such a warm welcome today to you, listener, and to Hermine, semi-finalist on The Great British Baking Show 2020. As soon as this season began, I was drawn to Hermine for her smiling, relaxed personality, fearless bakes, and the genuine thoughtful posts she published in social media accounts, even before they exploded. So right away, I reached out to Hermine, and last Wednesday, I was lucky enough to sit down for a chat with her as she baked sourdough and made dinner for her son, Stephen. As always on this podcast, we used a favorite recipe of Hermine's from her home country of Benin, just to start getting to know her. And then we moved on to discuss why and how she started baking, the serendipitous series of events that led her to star on Great British Bake Off, the handshake-worthy salmon soda bread, and finally, which is tougher, Paul or public opinion? Again, welcome to you, every listener out there, and welcome to Hermine. Hello, Becky. How are you? Oh, Hermine, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> are you in your PJs? <laughs> Pretty much. These early evenings, they can get you down, can't they? Oh, for me, that's the worst thing, having moved here. And my manager always jokes and he's like, you've chosen the wrong country, haven't you? And I'm like, well, it's a bit too late now after 20 years. Yes, yes, you're used to sunny. Well, like you said, 23 years, that's been enough time. But still, it's just it's just in your yeah. blood, isn't it? This desire yeah. for sunny days. You don't get you don't get used to it. So you, you, they can get you low sometimes. Yes, <laughs> I will say this. It's a dreary day here, but your voice <laughs> is cheering me up and I can picture I can picture your beautiful smiles. So and um Yes, you know, Hermine, honestly, you know this, but I I reached out to you really early on. I did have a feeling you were going to go far. I honestly did. But <laughs> but even if you hadn't, I really knew right away I just wanted to talk to you. Like I just wanted to get to know you better because your personality is so magnetic. And even this morning I shared, I'm going to get to talk to Hermine today. And, you know, I got so many messages. She's my favorite. You know, you just have that, that cheerful, bright outlook. (laughs) Well, and it's, and it's amazing because it's clearly this outlook that you have is rooted really deeply. It's not just, yeah. you know, because I've I've been following you again, of course, almost from the beginning. And you really are using your platform to talk about so many deep things and to encourage people. And so I'm really just so excited to get to know you a little bit better today. And oh, from thank my listeners you for as well. inviting so, me. Oh, it's my honor, my honor. So um so as you know, the way the way my podcast works, it's really unique. What I use to open the door to get to know person is a recipe that's really right. important to them. And yeah. I saw you talk about this recipe a while ago, um, and I can't even pronounce it. I think it's Gabomo Desi. Is that even it's called, close? It's called Bomo Desi because like you 
pronounce the GB as Bo, so it's like Boma Desi. Ah, uh, got it. I'm going to have to yeah. ask some of my friends to help me out <laughs> with that. With that, It's like one of those sounds my mouth just doesn't yes. make, but Bomo Desi. Okay. Yes. It's more of a guttural B somehow. Yes. So I did a lot of research on this and wow. I, I have a pot of Bomo Desi bubbling yes. away downstairs. <laughs> But if I looked at 10 different recipes, they honestly could not even agree on what this dish is. Some people would say it's a spinach sauce. Some people would say it's a stew that has to have pumpkin seeds. The only thing I think everyone agreed on was that there's somehow supposed to be spinach in it. So you tell me and tell my listeners, what is this dish? Well, I mean, there are a lot of variation of it. And Mm. I know that there's quite a few countries in West Africa Mm. that cook this dish, but they don't cook it exactly the same way. Uh And also, it's completely depends on, you know, what your your means are. Because, you know, you can start from basically, so, so the base will always be some sort of tomato stew so you will start with your put your oil in your pot and then you'll add your tomato and to that you'll add all your spices Mm -hmm. and then you will cook it into a stew Mm -hmm. and from there on you'll then uh, make some sort of dumpling with some um, melon seed melon seed that you you sort of crush into a paste and you make dumpling out of it that you then put inside the, the tomatoes too. And from there on, depending on your pocket, you can add mm. all sorts of protein. And it could be from just an everyday dish to a very festive dish where you would have your smoked haddock, um, some sort of lamb or beef. You'll have some seafood in it, like some prawns, some crab. Um, mm. You know, you, all, all sorts of protein you can have in there. And then lastly, you will then add in your spinach. But then again, there's also a lot of um, varieties in the kind of leaves you could add. Oh. So the different kind of, um, you know, spinach, if okay. I could say, different kind of green leaves that you could add. And it's very tasty and it's usually mm. eaten with um, something that I could only describe just to give your listener an idea. Mm-hmm. It looks like polento. Do you know the Italian dish called polento? Yes, and it's like a meal. Mean, it's like a cornmeal. Yeah, yeah it's cornmeal that you cook into a very... Uh, thick and consistent paste. Some people also eat it with, it's, it's another variation of maize, but basically you add water, you let it ferment, and mm. then you grind it and you get rid of all the, um, how do you call it, like the, the skin? Mm. You then also, again, cook it into some sort of, you could also eat it with rice, or they could also sometimes um, eat it. We, at home, we did eat it with um, pounded yam ah. as well. But back home, you boil your yam, and when oh. it's boiled and soft, you will then put it in a mortar and you will pound it. Mm-hmm. And you pound it until it becomes very smooth. That is something we would also eat that and most chew with 
actually. Okay. Yes. Yes. And what did you say the name of that yam dish is? Pounded yam. Oh, it's just pounded yam. I, I was listening for a different name there, and I missed I missed the English words right in front of my face. Yeah. And it's just lovely. Well, I merged together the recipes I could find and what I had on hand and what sounded good to me and made my own version today that has been delicious. And wow, I would love to try yours sometimes. Now, so a couple of follow-up questions. Your country of origin is Benin, correct? Indeed, it is. Okay. And so are you able to there in the UK approximate it, you know, similarly enough to what you had in Benin. And specifically, I'm wondering about these seeds. Do you, what do you use in the UK that's like this melon seed to approximate well, what you used it back tell in Benin? You that yeah. I can cook it exactly as in Benin. Exactly? Oh, good. <laughs> exactly. Because in here in the UK, you have what they call Afro-Caribbean stalls. So yeah. yeah, if I if I did want it to cook something from home, I'll usually go shop there. Got it. Yeah, I have an African market near me at that I've visited before for other guests. So when you say melon seeds, all the recipes I saw were calling for pumpkin seeds because I think because that's what we kind of tend to have here in the US. But I'm guessing it was different types of melons that you would use seeds from there in Benin, or am I wrong? Where I go and get them, they will call them um, egusi. Huh. And I think it's, it's spelled E uh, G for golf, uh-huh. U S S I. And um, I'm pretty sure they are melon seed okay. and not pumpkin seed. And that doesn't go into the stew as a powder. You use that agusi or agusi to make dumplings, correct? What I mean, that's how my mom cook it. She mixes the melon seed with one egg so mm-hmm. that it doesn't like disintegrate in the mm-hmm. stew. And then she will just use her hand or a spoon to like put like little dumplings, you know, scattered around the stew. I'll look for those then. Thanks for clarifying that. Uh, So just to switch gears a little bit, tell me about why you chose this as your favorite dish. There's thousands of delicious dishes in the world. So usually when something's our favorite, it's because there's there's a heart connection to it also. Do you feel that for this dish? Do you have memories or people you love associated with this dish? Well, I do. I mean, mm. I, I come from a very foodie family. Like, we love mm. food. <laughs> we always gather around food and seem to be so happy around food. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not happy around food, right? <laughs> my, my friend can't believe how excited I get about food sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's something that, that comes from, you know, uh, my upbringing and the way I've been raised. And so every Sunday... Like my mom would cook something special, mm. and that dish was, you know, one of those um, dishes that she she will make, and will have, you know, family around, not just the immediate family, but in other family members will will visit mm. on Sunday, mm. and then she'll make that as a special dish that you know we will all enjoy together. So I I grew up sort of uh, associating that to, you know, 
happy time, family mm. time. Uh, yeah. Just so, big family feasts. Yes. And also it takes quite some some effort to cook, you know? Yeah. How labor-intensive was it for your mother? Would she have any shortcuts? I mean, you know, African cooking takes a long time, I just think, generally, because, you know, when I was growing up, my mum did have a mixer, but it wasn't something that was common. Mm. And so you probably had to grind your tomato and your onions on wow. the stone mm. and then so once you've you've got that then you've obviously got to take the time to you know cook it and you've got to prep all the other ingredients if you're adding proteins like lamb you've got to season your lamb and you've got to cook it yeah um you've got to peel your prawns and you know if you're adding crabs it's not like here where I'll go to the supermarket yeah. and get them from the frozen aisle. No. <laughs> You've got to like, you know, yeah, clean it and, you know, sort it out. And um, if you're adding any smoked fish, you know, similarly, you've got to take the skin off, take the bones wow. off. So, yes, it is tedious, but it, it's it's worth it because it, in the mm. end, it does taste delicious. Mm, it's delicious and it brought your entire extended family together also. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So uh, one thing that you said, this this resonated. I've always thought there's no there's no way I would ever go on to bake off because I identify much more as a cook than a baker. And yeah. I was so surprised because you said, as much as I love to bake, I think I love to cook even more. Yes. Do you remember saying that? I did. <laughs> and that really, yes, and I, I mean, pasta week when I was making my pasty uh, filling and I say something like I'm more of a cook than I am a baker or something like that. I thought that was so amazing, which first of all, that's the way you bake. Oh, I can only imagine <laughs> the way you cook. <laughs> but <laughs> but we you. did we did get a peek into that because the thing the judges kept saying over and over and over was how good you are with your flavors. And I think that's more the mark of a cook than a baker. Yes. Yes. I mean, I I I suppose it's got to do with the way I've learned to cook. Mm-hmm. Because here you'll need a recipe book. Yeah. And the recipe book will tell you a tablespoon of this, a teaspoon of that. And then growing up, there was no recipe book. So you'll learn, your mother will learn from your grandmother, and you will learn from your mother, and then pass it on, and you know, so on and so forth. And so my mom, when she would cook, it was always, you know, you add this and then you add some other stuff. And then you test it, and then you see how it tastes. And it's almost like you know what it's supposed to taste. Mm-hmm. And then so in trying it, you want to reach that that point. Mm-hmm. And and so with practice, you know by trying that, okay, it is missing a bit of this, mm-hmm. and I need to add a bit of that. Or like if something went slightly wrong, you know that if I add something else, it will come to balance. For, for example, I was surprised to find that a lot of people find it odd to add some salt in a bake, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then to me, it is very important because mm-hmm. what it does is 
it balances the sweetness and, and mm-hmm. it allows you to make the difference between the, the flavors mm-hmm. that you've added in your bake. And similarly, if you were cooking something savory, it is important to add something sweet to sort mm. of, you know, get that balance. Mm-hmm. And it could be a bit of sugar. It could be some honey, mm. um, you know, s- something sweet just to have that that balance of flavor. And that's something I've learned, mm-hmm. you know, growing up. And mm-hmm. so it's almost in me and natural. Yes. Well, and that was clear on the show. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't get over your flavors. And I was <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if you remember when you started making this dish, for instance, you know, at what point did it kind of go from just being around your mom to watching your mom to helping your mom to making it on your own? Do you kind of remember that process or was it just so organic and natural? Here you are. I uh hang on bear yeah. with me yeah I was making some sourdough bread <laughs> and my um oven alarm is going on oh yeah yeah go for it go for it yeah take One your time moment. <laughs> as we take a time out for Hermine to get her bread from the oven I just wanted to take a moment to invite you to subscribe to the storied recipe podcast every Wednesday I put out episodes just like this one where guests from around the world share their life stories and heritage through cherished recipes. Scheduled for release in the coming months, I've already recorded interviews with a priest, a widow, cookbook authors and food photographers, and home cooks, just like you and me, from India, the US, the Philippines, the UK, and Greece. I'd be honored to share these stories with you in my guests' own words and own voices. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And here's Hermine back. Sorry about that. It's our weekly loaf of bread. Oh, Stephen must love that. Oh, he loves it. That's his best bread. So, yeah, to your question. All I can remember growing up, unless I've been like about half a nine, ten, and you're still very much in that playful mind. And... um, I remember a few times I'll just be, you know, in the backyard playing and I'll hear her call my name, like, can you go get me this? Can you go get me that? Mm -hmm. And then every time I'll go back to the backyard and play a game. And then one time she was like, next time I'm cooking, I want you standing next to me. (laughs) Because if I have to call you again. (laughs) So, yeah, so I've just sort of grew up. Yeah. Watching my mom cook and it, it just as books became very natural. And by the time I think I was maybe 14, 15, mm-hmm. then I sort of started cooking mm-hmm. for the family. Yes, and, and I suppose it's part of the culture that as a girl, you do need to know how to cook. So mm-hmm. you get trained from a very young age, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is Stephen learning to cook? He is because my mom was very keen to make sure that all her boys yes. knew how to cook because that's something she also learned from her dad, who was mm-hmm. also keen for you know everyone regardless to know how to cook. And so, yes, yeah, so it's, it's been passed on. And so for me, it's important that Stephen knows how to cook yeah. for him own you know benefit and his yes. independence you know 
Yes. I mean, the truth is everybody has to eat three times a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than relying on someone else, it's be like nice if we could put his own meal on. So, so yes. Yeah, so he makes his, um, he makes his own pancake oh. on, on Sundays. <laughs> That's a favorite first dish to make in my household. <laughs> it was about time. Like every Sunday <laughs> up until recently, I woke up at seven o'clock or sometimes six thirty every morning to make him his pancake. And I was so glad yes. that he was able to sort of do it. Oh, well, that's lovely. Well, and one more question on that. Was it ever just a chore to you or did you always love to cook? Did you always like the feel of ingredients in your hands and to taste and adjust? Did you always love that or did that grow into a love because it was something you had to do anyways? Do you know? Well, if I'm honest, I've always just loved food. And then so as you say, you have to eat. And if you want to eat good food I mean what what you deem to be good food Mm -hmm. what's best than to serve yourself yes and it was same with baking I mean I I didn't take on baking in the beginning because I had a love for baking I had a love for eating (laughs) I love for eating patisserie and it turns out that when I came here you couldn't find them round the corner as you would in Paris or in Benin, like where I could go to a patisserie or mm-hmm. a boulangerie and, you know, get a good baguette or, like, get a good pastry. Mm-hmm. Or whenever you did, they would cost you an arm and a leg. Well, to me, anyway, back then, when you're a student and only working part-time. So right. I had to find a way to keep eating what I liked it interesting and yeah so I yeah. had to find a way of um of learning and so but that's how it came about it was never oh I like cooking no no it was pretty much I like eating <laughs> I like good food tasty food yes how are we gonna get That's so interesting. So if you had never moved to the UK, you may have never turned into a baker because as you said in Benin, you would have had this amazing bread and pastries and everything on any corner. That's so interesting. Wow. Wow. So I am curious about this turning into a baker, right? Um, So Everybody talked a lot throughout the show about you loving French patisserie. I assumed you learned that back in Benin or, but no, you learned your taste for French patisserie in Benin, but you learned your skills in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Because just because I can, I can get it. Or when you even did get a croissant or, you know, whatever it is you were after, I felt it was not the same as what I mm. I grew up eating. And so it's almost a case of wanting to, you know, have what I grew up eating. And, yes. and that's what drives me purely into baking and nothing else. Amazing, amazing. So you're entirely self-taught. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, completely. So where did you where did you start? Did you have a mentor? Did you read books? Well, 
I never started with cakes. I never grew up eating or, in fact, ever known a cake made of um, icing <laughs> until I came to the UK. Uh-huh. And so for me, a cake would always be a very fluffy, light sponge with a buttery cream on it. Interesting. And so when I came here, I just couldn't. I mean, they taste nice, but they're just different. It's not the same thing, you know. And then I miss that light sponge with, you know, that. Um, buttercream that's not overly sweet mm-hmm. and um couldn't find it here so I start that's where I started from like trying to do the genoise and um some French buttercream and I didn't actually I started with a genoise and whipped cream because it was much easier mm-hmm. to just get from the supermarket mm-hmm. and whip it. and again and then- not overly sweet Yes, not overly sweet. Mm. And then you could, and then, you know, slowly started venturing into trying things with chocolate and uh, probably I'll say, well, five, six years ago, Mm. I got into making some other, you know, more elaborate creams like Mm -hmm. muslin cream. I've I've actually haven't tried an Italian meringue until before Bake Off, Mm. but Italian buttercream. I think that's something I ventured in um, while I had to practice with um, yeah. Bake Off. You did it for and, Bake Off. You knew you yes. had to have that skill if you were going to yes. succeed in Bake Off. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and I'll say the first time I tried to make uh, a croissant was probably about eight years ago. Mm. yeah it was gradually like I found the confidence you know then it was a case of oh I quite like to try this mm. oh I quite like to try that and mm. then I'll go on YouTube I watch mm. hours and hours of YouTube videos because mm-hmm. I was interested into the you know the why and how because mm-hmm. I wanted to achieve you know the the best result, because to me the best result was the best taste and I was after the taste <laughs> right which again is what they just said over and over and over. You know, you never, ever miss on your flavors. It's, oh, yes. Oh, I, I mean, I would sit there just wanting to taste them. I, the one, the number one thing I still want to taste is that salmon bread. I just want to <laughs> taste that salmon bread so badly with the horseradish. Oh, I just think that sounds like heaven. Again, you notice it's not the sweet thing that I want to try. <laughs> but, um, very random one because I, I remember you know one thing I enjoyed during the show is when the show was on during the, um, the adverts I could go on to Twitter and read people's live comments and then people were like oh Ellie says she doesn't know what she's doing that doesn't look good but genuinely genuinely I would like just do things because I think I think this will work. Yeah. You know, or like, I think it works somewhere else. So why wouldn't it work here? Yes. And and that's how I will start, but not always knowing what the 
the end result mm-hmm. will necessarily be. I, I know it would be edible. And then, <laughs> and then so <laughs> the salmon bread was, you know, one of those. I was looking on the internet for flavors and I thought to myself, well, you can have salmon and cheese in a quiche. Mm-hmm. So why can't you have it in bread? And, and I started looking online and I thought, but no one does that combination in soda bread. Why Never. is that? And so I've done it, and when I've done it and I've tried it, because obviously I've never tried that before in a bread, Yeah, I wasn't too convinced. And so I had a friend to try it, and she's like, it's amazing, I love it. But I, I, I was almost very sceptical, thinking, hmm, yeah, you're just saying that because you're trying to be nice. Uh-huh. So I made it again, and I had another friend who is rather difficult on the palate. <laughs> <laughs> who tried it and she's like I love it and I'm like oh okay so if she loves it I'm on to something and that's how you know I came up with that that's <laughs> so interesting and you know this is a question that I have wondered I know of course there's there's things you can't share so if I ask you something you can't share just let me know but I have yeah. wondered as you're talking about coming up with this bread I mean, some of these things they ask you to make are so bizarre to me, but everybody's sitting around like, oh yeah, you know, a Jello top cake. And I'm just wondering how detailed, I know that you get the briefs in advance, but yeah. I'm just wondering, do they just say make this or they do they give you like resources to look at? How do you even figure out what they're talking about to start with? I'll say they're rather open-ended. That's why I mean you have to put your own personal spin to it. Yeah. But like, you know, if they said, for example, make bread, they just want bread. Or like if they say you make soda bread, they just want yeah. soda bread. And the rest is, you know, pretty much down to you. Up to you. Yeah. yeah. But you know it needs to be unique. You know it needs to stand yeah. out. Obviously, because I mean you you are on the Great British Bake Off show. So you want something unique and, you know, ideally not something that, you know, another baker have chosen. But then again, you'll never know yes. <laughs> until you get in the tent. <laughs> yes. You know, if you have some rivals, you know, in terms of flavor or not. Yeah. And I remember the two people did the, um, this was so odd to me, the Japanese melt buns yeah. and they did them with the cheeseburger fl- yeah. <laughs> flavors. Yeah. And I thought that is, that is really pretty amazing yeah. that two people happened upon that. That kind of blew yeah. my mind. But you know, you've brought up this idea of confidence, how as you learn to bake, you gained more confidence. And I'm yeah. thinking trying something like putting salmon in a soda bread, that's beyond confidence. And that's just fearlessness. I just think that <laughs> you exhibited a lot of fearlessness on the show. <laughs> you know what? I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it takes me back to when that episode was airing and people on Twitter were like, fishy bread? <laughs> fishy bread? I mean, whoop. And, and so, yeah, I was just laughing because obviously I knew how we ended but. that's so funny I mean so I guess when I think about this fearlessness I'm wondering about you choosing to apply I've noticed that you've been a huge advocate of people applying you just keep encouraging people to apply and I'm wondering 
Did you feel fearless from the beginning or did it take a, a push from someone for you to apply? Well, I tell you what, because I'm a single mother mm. working full time and studying, to me, TV is a luxury. Uh-huh. So I knew Bake Off existed. Mm. And I have watched a few episodes here and there. Mm. And when I did, I really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. I felt you could learn something. And it was a really nice show where if you like food and you're into baking, you would enjoy it. Mm. But it was never more than that. And at no point was I interested in taking part in any competition. And yeah. what happened is I would bake a lot and I will you know, give to friends or we did a monthly breakfast in my office when you everyone will bring something and I was bringing you know some brioche or every now and then I'll bake something yeah and then so I had friends colleagues my manager like every, every time I bake something oh you're too tight bake off you also do something with this talent and I was always like yeah yeah and it was like literally every single time wow but I never took them seriously and it went on for you know years and I remember I think it was my birthday two years ago Mm. my friend offered me a book called start a cake business from home (laughs) And, and then the year before or someone gave me a secret Santa present, which was a spoon that says, I mean, star baker. Wow. The Christmas, the Christmas last year's secret Santa, somebody gave me another baker's book called Soggy Bottom or something like that. And so I had literally all of these going on. And then one day I left my house with, no intention of applying to Bake Off or not even having Bake Off in my mind. I mean, even remotely. Mm. And I go into the office and then I had an issue with my laptop. And so he went with uh, my colleagues in IT. Mm. And while they were trying to fix that, it took a little while. I just basically had nothing to do without my laptop. So I went in, I did a bit of filing, did this, did that sat around the office and then came back and sat at my desk but my boss sits next to me so that day I brought in a brioche again uh-huh. and then one of my my colleague that I went around chatting to she said to me oh you should apply to make off because you know your brioche are the best and then she goes and you're so funny you're going to be so good on telly. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then go around my desk after that chat, come to say, and then my boss was there and he has a piece of that brioche and he goes, oh, this is so good. You really ought to do something with that. Wow, chat. Hermine. Mm. And at that point, I thought to myself, because I always, I believe in the sort of, you know, kind of the universe is sending you messages and mm. kind of thing, mm. kind of vibes. Thought to myself, isn't it a bit weird that all these people are telling me this and I'm sitting here, no laptop, doing nothing, time to kill. Okay, so go on my phone. This is amazing. Open an application and apply using the pictures mm-hmm. that I had in my phone. 
and uh, send it off. And then to my surprise, I get a call for the first stage and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and um, and then I go through the rest of the process till the last step <laughs> when I get a call and say, you've made it um, to the show. And I, and, I, and I remember asking, do you mean I made it, made it, or do you mean I made it as in a reserve? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, you made it, made it. And I'm like, whoa. And it's like a shock. Like I never intended to apply. I never wanted to apply. I wasn't interested in fame. I wasn't interested in television. Um, like really, like none of it. It's it's just happened by pure chance. And I remember That's after that news, it was a few seconds of, oh wow, so I'm not that bad then. And then it got followed by Oh dear, I'm gonna be on telly. I didn't mm. think about that, did I? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know, I'm an introvert and I, okay. I could be really shy. And I'm like, God, I don't want to be on telly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was a lot of, you know, anxiety about being I can on imagine. telly. Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah. It's all just happened very weirdly. Yes. And then, so that's where it comes from. I mean, you know, and I think the biggest, biggest lesson for me, because once you reach that point, it's almost like you're laying yourself bare mm. for anyone to have an opinion about and 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 judge. And and yet you you become so vulnerable yes. in, in a way. I mean, it doesn't get worse than this in terms of making yourself vulnerable no. and out there, right? Yeah. And so at that point, it's like, yeah, just, you know, be yourself and, um, and you know, try new things. I mean, you know, w- w- what else can happen from yeah. here? Yes. Well, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the fear was worse. You know, I I knew I had reached out to you. So I was, I was watching the show with different eyes this year. And it made me put myself in your shoes a little bit more. The process of applying was almost fearless. You had nothing to lose. It was you did it on a whim, right? Um, For someone like Peter, I'm thinking, right, who grew up watching it, that process must have been nerve wracking. But for you, as you say, the fear almost began once you made it on. And I've always put myself in the shoes of the bakers for being in the tent, you know, the yeah. heat of the moment and the judges and the, and, and I'm curious how you coped in the tent. But this season, I started to really put myself in the shoes of contestants when it aired, because like you said, that brings in a whole nother level of fears because now you have people live tweeting about your fishy bread. And I'm just wondering, are the fears kind of the same while you're in the tent and then while you're watching it air or are they different types of fears? And how did you cope in each of those situations? Well, I'd probably say if I had any fear, it was probably maybe on the first episode because I didn't know any, you know, what to expect. It's mm. it's not my area of expertise. I've never been on telly before, and obviously, you have all these fears of, you know, how um, are people going to um, receive me? Mm. You know, will will this change my life to the worst and mm. things like that? But then, and this I is all like, things you were feeling when it aired. Like you weren't thinking about that when you were in the tent, or were you? 
the the first episode you you think about that but even in the tent you sort of get used to the tent it becomes your normal because also, mm-hmm. don't forget we we live in the bubble as well right so it became it became your, your normal the the stations became almost like a kitchen you got used to the crew and yeah. and the people around you and you you adapt and yeah. so it's almost as if the the world didn't exist you know and so that that fear disappear. It, it's almost like you're baking in your kitchen with friends, wow. and then you're having bunkers with um, you know, jokes with um, with the other bakers, and yeah. you know, helping each other. It, it's almost like a little, you know, competition between a, a few people that nobody will ever see. A playful competition. Yes, mm. and and that's how it feels when you're in. And and so you leave it, and then when it it airs, it's almost like relieving it again. Yeah. Only with the added layer of, you know, having people commenting. Yeah. Or commenting on what you're doing. And then sometimes I feel opinions that are maybe just based on really an hour of a show. Yeah. When you filmed for hours yeah and that but then I I suppose again after week one and two you sort of know how people feel about you Mm. and it becomes a lot easier I suppose as yeah as as you go you were able yeah so would you say that I think people always say who's harsher Paul or Prue, but I would ask who is harsher, Paul or public opinion? I'll say public opinion because Paul gives you constructive Mm -hmm. um, criticism because he wants you to be a better baker. Mm -hmm. And then don't forget he tried and the public, you know, they haven't tried it. Right. Seen it and probably just from the camera's angle because right you know and yes and then judging you on that and and they can be sometimes yeah harsh yeah. I feel I, and I, I keep saying that I feel really blessed by the love that I've received and mm. honestly. I can say hands and heart nobody has been awful to me mm. nobody has been and kind to me, mm-hmm. but yeah, I know it hasn't been the same for you know all all the other bakers, sadly. So I've mm-hmm. I've been lucky mm-hmm. in in that respect. Yeah. Mm. But one thing I do really appreciate and admire, you know, like I said from the beginning, your platform has been about more than baking. It's about being being confident. You've talked a lot about that on your platform. You've talked about being kind. You've talked about being generous. And I feel like the rubber did heat hit the road, you know, on the episode where you had to exit. And there was a lot of, I, I mean, I'll just say it. There was a lot of negative things being said about Laura. And you really put action to the things that you had been saying all along. And you stepped up and you spoke really strongly in defense of her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't it a natural thing to do? I mm. mean, you know, I'm I'm not I've always naturally been about 
fairness mm. and as a person and um, kind of would always tap in to help someone mm-hmm. that's struggling. That's just been me. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I just think when, when you take kindness and then kindness and you put them, you know, each apart, mm-hmm. there is an infinite world of kindness, but there's also an infinite world of unkindness. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, one destroys you and the other one nurtures you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's for me, it's only natural like to want to go toward what nurtures you and and mm. and also I just feel you know no amount of unkindness toward Laura mm-hmm. would have changed the decision or brought me back into the tent right. or put me into the final right so and and then also don't forget Laura doesn't choose to stay right or to leave none right. of us choose to stay or to leave and so right. I feel it's rather unfair that she get treated like that for a decision that she literally has you know no right. say exactly mm-hmm. and and I wasn't so much against the fact that people were putting their feelings out there mm-hmm. it's about the how there's a mm-hmm. million ways of saying things and and you can show support to somebody without being and kind yeah. to somebody else. Yeah. Right? You can show your disappointment in a situation without being very, mm-hmm. even a strong, I, I'm trying to find a nice, but a stronger word than unkind. Rude. Yeah. Or, I mean, they're really hurtful. Yeah. Some of the things that I yeah. read. And that gets me back to. A story that was, you know, like I said earlier on, I, I don't really watch a lot of telly or because of time, but I know there was a story where the host of one of the UK show took her life mm. because of the trolls. Mm. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, it could be your word, your one word. Maybe that person has received hundreds of those in the day and up until that point there was still they were still holding on to life mm. and then you at 101 mm. and they're like right i have enough mm. and they do it mm-hmm. and do you really want to be that person mm. you know Yes. And I think the other thing that I appreciate about what you said, I really appreciate your use of the word nurture. That really is drawing a picture for me of this sourdough bread that just came out of the oven that you're going to feed with loving hands to your son, this idea of nurturing. And it's not always even only about the recipient of the words. So obviously, unkind words hurt the recipients and kind words nurture them, but also of the speaker. Of our, When we say kind things, that is not, it's not facilitating growth or health or, yeah. or wholesomeness in us. It does yeah. not actually make us feel better or do or accomplish exactly. any of those things. And so I yeah. really, 
this word picture that you made for me when you use the word nurture, I'm thinking of this exchange again, like you will exchange this bread that you just took out of the oven since we've been on here with your son. (laughs) And what a beautiful thing, how it makes you feel to give that. And it makes him feel good to receive it. And I think it is the same with words. It's it's for the giver as well. And and interestingly, Mm. Often, and I know because sometimes I say, you know, my son will come and he says, oh, so-and-so being unkind to me. And I will say to him, you know, it's it's not right to be unkind, but it's okay because you have to understand that sometimes people give what they know, right? But the truth is we have to like ask ourselves, if I'm if I'm saying these words because I'm angry, I'm upset, or I'm, I'm I had a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I'm letting it out on some someone. Having done that, did that really make me better? Mm-hmm. Did that solve my problem? Did mm-hmm. that change the bad day I was having? Did that change the situation I was in? Not only it didn't, but now you just added the layer that you just made somebody else's life horrible. Yeah. Now two people are more yes. miserable, you and the other yes. person. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Such a good point. So our time really is up here. Can I just ask two more quick questions? Are you okay with that? Yeah. Or do you need to? Okay. Yeah, 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 go okay. Well, I will be, I really want to be respectful of your time. I'm so appreciative, but I did, you did say, and actually I think you said this to me in a direct message that you wouldn't want to be on any other reality show besides Great British Bake Off, but you feel yeah. that the crew there really supports you and also wants to edit in a truthful way. Tell me about yeah. that. Well, as I said earlier, I'm I'm not about fame and I just want to be me. And and yeah. part of my growth journey has been about being me and not what society wants me to be. And mm-hmm. so I feel, you know, with perhaps many other shows, it's more about the the entertainment value of it. And it's almost putting up appearances. Mm. Um, whereas I find with Bake Off is just simple, normal people mm. who love baking and who just want to share that passion of baking. And and the crew is very nurturing and mm-hmm. you know uh, supportive, and you know obviously they won't they won't make up what you're not, but they will never edit you in um in in a horrible way mm-hmm. or you know in in a way that you know they they gen- yeah. they're really genuine in a way yes. They're really genuine and and kind and giving in in yeah. a way, in a way they they aided us. And you feel almost okay to be free, you mm. know, because you know that you know, oh, they're not looking for you know a shot to catch you out, mm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, in in your bad moment or you know, they they just yeah, it's 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 just genuine, loving, nurturing. And that's, you know, an, 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 an atmosphere where you feel safe. Yes. Almost to be, because I find sometimes having left the show, sometimes I have people, um, you know, asking me thing and I'm like, what, 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 do, what do you want? Mm. <laughs> like, you know, do you want, do you want a story to sell or, right. you know, right. do, do you want 
and and then and back off is not like that they just yeah. want you they the want genuine. yeah they they really want what's best for you and they support you and you never went back and watched and said well that's not how it happened you never yes. felt like that like yeah yeah, no. yeah. that's yeah. wonderful no. that's wonderful so well then i will just finish with this what would you I guess upon two paths, like if your if your fondest wishes could come true from Bake Off, what would you want from it personally, like for your life? And then what would you want again? You're so about using this platform to really encourage people. And what would you want other people to take away from you? And your experience on Bake Off. I'm almost going to disappoint you in my answer. <laughs> you could never I, disappoint me, Hermine. <laughs> if I learned something especially from 2020, it's that, um, yeah, you, you just can't plan because mm. it's all a dream. And that's why they call mm. it the dream. Because in the end, what will be, will be. And I'm mm. sure none of us plan 2020 as it is, is it but it has to not to be what is supposed to be. And then, so I feel I have got a career as an accountant, a good career. And so um, whatever come up to that will be a gift mm. from the universe, the higher power or, you know, whatever you believe in. Mm. And um, I will take it with a lot of gratitude. But mm. um, yes, I don't, you know, it's let's just see what's out there and what, you know, life has to offer. And um, mm. but in terms of, you know, using my platform, mm. I hope I could use it to empower people, encourage them and spread um the word about positivity and how it's not just about the person that you direct it toward, but it's also for you, for your own growth and and, and how how you feel. And that hopefully my journey encourages, you know, um, anyone who's an introvert like me, who's shy mm. like me, who's never pictured himself on telly in a million years like I did, um, you know, would say, oh, maybe I could have a try mm. and maybe it might turn out to be just fine. And and if there's one thing I've learned from that um, experience is just to, to let go and mm. trust, let go and, and, and try. It's okay to make mistakes because you learn from your mistakes. It's part of the journey. Mm. And, and that lesson is so liberating because mm. it removes the fear. You basically mm. have, yeah, no, I mean, what was the, you know, anything now I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you'll get a no, it will fail, but hey, life goes on. You'll try again. Yes. Yes. Well, I personally am soaking up your words like a sponge. I wish you could see my body language because (laughs) I just, I just kind of relaxed and, and exhaled and said, yeah, let me keep going with Hermine's encouragement. So thank you for, you know, yeah, just being such a really a a bright light and for the way that you use your platform for taking the time to talk to me for these words, for the recipe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of it, Hermine. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Okay. Go enjoy your sourdough bread. I will. I'm making dinner as well. Oh my goodness. Bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Take care, Hermine. Okay. No worries. Take care.
Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Hermine for her wise and candid words. I do feel nurtured and challenged by the reminder to choose kindness, whether to those closest to me, which can be toughest, or to those unknown on social media. You can find all of Hermine's contact information on my website, thestoriedrecipe.com, as well as links to both recipes we discussed in this episode, the Bomo Desi and her now famous fishy bread, as that Twitter user called it. Please also make sure you follow me on Instagram at the Storied Recipe Podcast, where I share storytelling images of all of my guests' recipes, news about upcoming episodes, and behind-the-scenes photos of making this podcast. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it with friends and family or consider leaving a review? Both would mean the world to me personally as I continue in this work and seek to share the stories of others. Thank you and have a great week, my friends.